I'm Dr. Whitney Hauser, founder of DryEyeCoach.com. Thanks for joining us today on our latest podcast. Today I'm joined with uh, Dr. Melissa Barnett, who's the principal optometrist at UC Davis Eye Center. Dr. Barnett is also the author of Contemporary Scleral Lenses Theory and Applications. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Barnett. Thank you so much for having me. So as you know, with Dry Eye Coach is one of our contributors, our real focus is on ocular surface disease. But there are a lot of different ways that, you know, the ocular surface plays a part in eye care and how it interacts, you know, with surgery, with contact lens wear, uh, and with optical. Just it really affects every piece of what we do. So I kind of wanted to ask you some questions as a contact lens expert about how we may better service our patients, keep them maybe in contact lenses longer, and make them more comfortable. So just to get started, you know, what are some of the most common causes of contact lens dropout in your practice? Well, there are many different causes of contact lens dropout, but I agree that dry eye is really one of the most significant ones. So by that, I mean dysfunction of the whole ocular surface. So it could be reduced tear production. It could be meibomian gland dysfunction, blepharitis. But also other contributing factors are noncompliance with the contact lens wearing schedule and replacement schedule. For example, wearing a two-week lens for one month or three months or wearing a daily replacement lens for two weeks. Um, digital device patients, use. Patients would never do that, would they? They would never wear patients, contact lenses. Patients do that all the time. I see that right, right. Um, Digital device use is so huge as well because we're all, myself included, we're all on computers, phones all day long. My charting's done electronically. I'm sure yours is as well. And we don't tend right. to take breaks. So we don't blink our eyes enough. And I say we because it's all of us included. And so that right. contributes to dryness and also leads to dropout. There are other right. factors as well. Um, so uh, female, um, changes in hormones, autoimmune diseases, all of these things can lead to contact lens discomfort and then eventually drop out. Right, right. So, you know, I think you're right with the digital device use. I think there's something around average of 8 to 10 hours a day that people spend on devices, and I don't see that letting up in the near future. And as, you're, as you said, it really impacts blink rate, which can certainly have an effect on contact lenses as well. So how do symptoms of dry disease impact your contact lens patients? So what are they feeling? What's, what's the end result for your contact lens patients? Sure. So patients come in and they say, oh, my contact lenses are not as comfortable, or they might not say anything. And then I have to ask them if they're having any troubles. And I always like to ask if they have any troubles with comfort at the end of the day. So after they're working or doing multiple things throughout the day, do they get uncomfortable? Uh, Vision is one of my favorite. I know we've talked about this before, but vision is one of my favorite symptoms as well. So especially in the contact lens patients, you know, do you have to blink to clear things up? Do you have to to rotate, say, a soft toric lens in order to clear it up? Um, So there are the vision aspect and then the comfort aspect, and dry eye plays a big role in both of those. I think you raise a great point about 
talking to the patient about it and asking because I think kind of from both sides, the doctor wants to leave well enough alone perhaps, you know, just to kind of get through the exam, get to the next exam, and maybe they aren't asking those questions and, and probing about contact lens comfort because they also in part think the patient will voice that concern. On the flip side, the patient's probably holding back either because they're afraid they'll be taken out of the lenses or maybe they think this is how it is for me, this is what contact lens wear is all about, and I just have to kind of grin and bear it. I think you really hit the nail on the head that that two-way communication is really critical. And I definitely agree that patients are fearful that contact lenses will be taken away from them. But when I ask these questions, I really want to offer new technology. Um, We have great contact lens technology, and that's why I'm asking the question. So sometimes I have to ask the same question in several different ways in order for the patient to tell me that there's something um, that could be better. And sometimes I even ask that straight out, you know, what, could be that could anything be better with your contact lens wearing experience and that's right. often yes. a helpful question you kind of have to outfox them to get the truth of the situation sometimes so what types of dry screenings do your contact lens patients typically undergo what are you how are you gathering information about dry eye for that patient population is it any different than you would for any other Well, I would say a lot of things are pretty similar. So asking a lot of history questions, especially focusing on vision, um, checking uh, tear breakup time, evaluating the tear meniscus, staining with fluorescein, and listening green if I'm concerned. Um, Looking at the conjunctiva I find is really helpful before looking at the cornea, uh, checking osmolarity, evaluating the meibomian gland. So these are, you know, the things that in any patient uh, looking for non-obvious meibomian gland dysfunction, but especially for contact lens wearers, I really want to evaluate the conjunctiva and flip the lid. So I'm looking for any signs of allergy, specifically giant papillary conjunctivitis. I'm also looking at the lid wiper, um, staining right. that. So if someone's coming in saying that you know they're having some sort of issue or problem, and you're looking at the cornea and the conjunctiva, everything looks fine. I'm evaluating the lid wiper, and it, I, I find that to be quite helpful. Um, it associates with dry eye and therefore contact lens discomfort. Um, so in a study by Corbin Blackie in symptomatic patients, 76% had staining of the lid wiper. Uh, but also looking really for allergies, I find is quite common in the areas where I practice in Sacramento and Davis and addressing the allergies, so treating any allergic eye disease as well. So for our audience to be as familiar with lid wiper and lid wiper epiteliopathy, you're instilling what dye to visualize the, the lid sure, wiper? Listen, yeah, sure, listening green and have okay. them blink a few times. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you're looking at the upper lid, lower lid. Which lid are you looking at or both? Yeah. Oh, sorry. L- looking at the upper lid, so flipping the lid, looking at the upper yep. lid and sort of evaluating the band there. Yep. And there's some really nice images I find um, mm-hmm. that you could probably post on your website as well yes. that are, are helpful just as far as grading lid wiper. But right. I would recommend just looking for it, so staining – uh, using listening green, flipping the lid, and just looking for that band, and I bet you'll see it. Right. I, I agree with you. I'm a big uh, devotee of listening green. I think it really brings to light a lot of 
things that are typically overlooked, so the shift in the line of march, the lid wiper epitheliopathy, and the conjunctival staining. So I think that's a brilliant way to look for ocular surface disease, especially in those emerging patients who may be your greatest at-risk contact lens population for dropout. So, you know, do you see an increase in contact lens dropout among patients with dry symptoms? Is, I mean, we talk about, is that something that's actually happening? Yes, I think it's definitely happening, especially in the late 30s, like age 30s to early 40s. Now, there have been studies on this and a lot about multifocal and not having the multifocal optics is another reason. But dry eye is a huge, a huge factor. So it impacts comfort, it impacts vision. um, And I always like my patients to stay in contact lenses. You know, we have great technologies these days as far as contact lenses, offering different technologies such as hybrid lenses or scleral lenses and offering multifocal contact lens options, thinking about them and talking to our patients about them in the late 30s, early 40s, I find is really helpful. Yeah, that's so true. As the patients are entering that pre-presbyopic, presbyopic stage of their life, that's a big enough transition. And like you said, in terms of contact lens modality, changing, you know, from a, a single vision lens to a multifocal lens. And then on top of that, throw in some dry eye changes. That can be a real challenge for both the patient and the practitioner. So there's sort of a lot to overcome uh, to avoid having those patients dropping out. So which treatments have you found to be most effective in managing dry eye in, the, in a contact lens wear? You know, I get asked sort of that all the time, and I'm really anxious to hear what your answer is. Sure. So in the normal cornea population, uh, changing to a daily replacement modality if possible. So there are many fantastic daily replacement contact lenses out there. There's single vision, there's toric, there's multifocal, and if possible, um, I'm a huge fan of daily replacement contact lenses in general for all of my patients, but especially those who have any sort of dry eye or ocular surface disease. Another great option just for all contact lens wearers is hydrogen peroxide uh, contact lens solution, which can be used for gas permeable and scleral lenses. And that's really my go-to is hydrogen peroxide. It's extremely helpful. Um, I'm glad to hear you say that. I I'm feel the same way you do, and you're by far the contact lens expert, but in terms of the care system, it may be a little bit more you know, steps to go through, but the, the, the power and cleaning quality of that is, is really incredible. So I'm, I'm glad I get to be on your side on that for sure. Go on. And then other treatments like any other dry eye patient, so using Restasis or Zydra, I'm always focused on the lids as well, so managing the eyelids, any sort of meibomian gland dysfunction, blepharitis of omega fatty acids, and also just sort of the basics, uh, taking breaks on the computer, good hydration, using lubricant ointment if there's any sort of lack of thalamus. Uh, For my Sjogren's and my autoimmune patients, I like to add in and some of these might be contact lens wearers as well, uh, moisture goggles, uh, humidifiers, and then I'm finding more and more patients and products, mm-hmm. and I go over removing makeup at night. So right. it's 
yes, important for all patients, but especially those who wear contact lenses. So one of the things that I get asked often is, what type of artificial tear can you use with contact lenses? Do you have an answer to the question? Sure. So I recommend a preservative-free or non-preserved artificial tear, one that's not too viscous. So right. I actually give my patients specific recommendations of artificial tears that they can use with their contact lenses, and then perhaps a different artificial tear that's a little bit more thick or viscous that they can use without contact lenses. Now, for scleral lens wearers, it's different. So for those, I like to use a more viscous artificial tear in the bowl of the lens along with preservative-free saline, and that really bathes and coats the ocular surface and helps more. So it's not um, on top of the lens. It's actually in the bowl of the lens. Right, right. So as the demographics of dry eye continue to evolve, we talked about our digital device users, and we're seeing more younger people and, and gentlemen that are in our dry patient population. It seems likely that we'll see more young contact lens patients suffering from the condition. So how do you think that this will impact your approach to diagnosis and treatment of dry in contact lens wear as we see those young patients emerging? Yes, and I with my student population that I that I currently see, I find that I'm I'm diagnosing and treating them earlier um, than perhaps I used to, and that could be um, treating, say, my bone gland dysfunction in a child or in a teenager, twenty year old, really addressing the dry eye, and that's what I do on a daily basis in that student population. So my goal, and I tell them this all the time, is for them to be able to wear contact lenses for their whole entire life successfully. And by that, I mean not getting an infection, not losing vision. And sometimes I can say this pretty strongly if they're completely abusing their contact lenses, that I don't want them to go blind. I do want them to wear contact lenses successfully. But I find that right. I'm really treating um, ocular surface disease earlier and earlier, especially in younger patients. Now, another just sort of key point in general for contact lens wearers who have dry eye is to address and treat, manage the ocular surface first uh, prior to fitting contact lenses if possible. In my irregular cornea population, that might not be possible. However, if someone is coming in with a normal cornea and they want to wear contact lenses, they have significant ocular surface disease, I find that I get a much better result if I treat the ocular surface first, then see them back and fit contact lenses. And this is true for a multifocal contact lens wearer, but even someone who contact lenses for vision and, and the lifestyle as well. Right. No, that, that makes perfect sense to treat the pre-existing problem, condition, to really position the patient for the best success, which is going to keep them in the practice longer, keep them in the contacts longer, and just really make your job easier in terms of chair time. So that really makes perfect sense. Uh, Dr. Barnett, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today. And again, your book that should be coming out soon is called Contemporary Scleral Lenses Theory and Application. When it's available, which should be soon, we'll have that URL available on drycoach.com. I believe it's going to be available in a digital version as well as a uh, paper version for purchase. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me.